Hello again, and welcome to the Spirit of West Texas podcast, where we are having real conversations with people who live and work in West Texas. This season, we are talking to small business owners and community leaders about their big dreams. They'll share about their challenges, successes, and even offer some helpful hints for keeping the small business dream alive. Listen in. We hope you'll learn something and maybe have a little fun along the way. Hello again, Amy. We Hello. are on another round of our Amarillo and uh, and Canyon interviews, our road trip for We're the on pod. The road. Yeah. Yes. We have another amazing guest, mm-hmm. Joanna, and you'll have to say her last Joanna name. Joanna Tejeda. We had to ask Tejeda. her. Yes, Tejeda. Joanna Tejeda. Yeah. Beautiful name. I just can't for the life of me remember how to pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell our listeners a yes. little bit about Joanna? So Joanna, I didn't know Joanna before today, and I really didn't know anything about what she does, but she's the owner and operator of Bright Minds Academy here in Amarillo. Um, Bright Minds is a child care preschool and Spanish learning center for infants to five-year-olds. Very clear that it's not a daycare. Much, much more than that. Um, Joanne is actually a Texas certified teacher and she taught in Amarillo School District for 10 years before starting this business. So she opened Bright Minds Academy in 2014 because she couldn't find the type of pre-K program she was looking for for her own four-year-old daughter. So I think again, Jared, over and over again, we're seeing and hearing um, stories of entrepreneurs that have said, okay, I have this gift and there's definitely a need and I know that I can address it. Um, I love her. I love her energy. I think that she is going to be super inspiring and just honestly, this is one of the most delightful episodes that we've aired. So our podcast listeners should get ready um, for a good laugh and to also walk away feeling like, man, I feel inspired by what I just heard. Yeah, there are definitely some uh, surprising and fearless steps that Joanna takes along her journey. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to jump in and let listeners uh, hear what she has going on. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's go. Hello, Joanna. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. We're so happy to have you on the Spirit of West Texas podcast today. I'm excited to be here. Good. I know. Once she walked in, she's like, oh, it's not live. I'm like, yeah, no, it's Thank not live. <laughs> it's very informal. It's so nice to meet you. I actually haven't ever met you before. This is the first time we've met and I'm so impressed by you. And I wanted to tell you, I called yesterday looking for you. I didn't have your cell phone number and I was wanting to touch base with you before the interview. So I called and I don't know, I can't remember now which of your locations it was that I called, but the sweetest girl answered the phone. She was so sweet and so polite and so energetic. And I thought, oh my gosh, I bet you all the moms that bring their kids here love this girl. You know, I mean, you're dropping your kids off for eight or 10 hours while you go to work. You want somebody looking after them that's so sweet and kind. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, she was. So tell our podcast listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I was born in Monterey, Mexico. And I actually grew up in Canyon, though, since I was two years old. Okay. Um, so I've always been a small, small town girl, but I've been able to experience big cultural differences by visiting Mexico every summer. Mm. And my dad lived there, so, you know, they mostly spoke Spanish, my stepmom too. So I, it was really kind of a, you either learn to speak Spanish or you're just not going to be communicating very much. So... That's how I learned Spanish, and I loved the different cultures, just different than being in Texas. Mexico is just, you know, their lifestyle was different. Their lunchtime was really late. They hardly ate any dinner. (laughs) So it was just seeing that there's more to the world than what we see around us. So that's just a big part of my upbringing. And then 
I went to college at West Texas A&M. I loved it. Moved to Dallas, and I enjoyed that, but I missed family Mm -hmm. and friends here. So I came back and started teaching after I had my twin daughters that are 17 now, about to graduate in May. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's exciting (laughs) and then nerve-wracking, too. But um, so when I was teaching, they were young, but they were about to go to preschool. So when they went to preschool, I thought, I just didn't like daycare, honestly. The stigma is just not good. It's more just like you just drop them off, they hang out, they play. And so I started looking for something then, and I didn't see anything, but fortunately they got into a magnet program in Amarillo. That was great, and it was a great pre-K program. So I thought, okay, I can do this. And I've only been teaching for maybe two years then. So I was very new in education. So... Fast forward, I have an 11-year-old daughter as well, and when she went into pre-K, same thing. I started touring a lot of places in Amarillo, and everyone would have one thing that I liked, but none of them had everything that I liked. And then, um, so after that, I thought, you know, this has to be a need for other people, especially as educators. You want your kids to have a good education, even in pre-K. It's still very important, and kindergarten moves so fast now. So I thought... I think I could do this. I could do it in a house or, you know, I was just trying to think of different ways to come up with a way to get a program going. And also knowing Spanish, I thought when I first started, I loved, like I said, the culture, knowing another language. I thought this would be a great introduction for students as well. And being in our area, a lot of parents would like having, you know, just something else. So the Spanish was in like a bonus, but the curriculum was a very important part to me. So I started, you know, at the time I was married, and thankfully, you know, he was very supportive of me at that time, and it was kind of like, I think I want to do this, and he's like, okay. And so I took out my retirement from teaching for 10 years. Oh my gosh. That was You're very nerve yeah, yes. It was definitely a risk take, but, you know, I spoke to my mom at the time telling her my plan after I had decided it. And she's like, do you really want to leave a career that you have a set paycheck every month? And I was like, I, I do. Like, I think I can do it. And I'm just not much of a planner. So I guess I am a risk taker. And no anybody doubt. that worked with me in the past are probably like, how is she running a successful business? Because I'm not. <laughs> I'm one of those, like, I'll be thinking about something for a long time. But until it's down to the wire, that's really when I feel like, it comes to me, like how I need to do it, what I'm going to do. So when I decided to do the the preschool, I basically gave my notice probably in April, and I planned on opening in August for school. But um, So I did withdraw my retirement, and I have a very supportive family, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so um, actually my brother-in-law did a lot of renovations to a building he had that was a Kwanzaa hut, and he made it possible, so I used my retirement for that and paid him to finish it out. And I had two classrooms when I opened. So it was very small. So going from, I think my capacity then was maybe 32 kids in that building. And now I have, my biggest location is over 100 kids capacity. (gasps) And then the second location is about 50. Oh my goodness. So we have about 100, together, about 160 kids at our school. So coming from, you know, a pre-K graduating class of six, And let me tell you, one of those pre-K students was my daughter, my other was my nephew, and my other was my niece. 
So it was just very small, and I was the pre-K teacher, so I was the pre-K teacher and the director and the owner all when we opened, because you can't afford to pay a bunch of staff member. And I remember licensing coming in, and um, I didn't know the licensing part of it. I knew the education. I knew what I wanted to teach the kids, so I had to learn, like, the law part of it, which is not the fun part, of course, but... (laughs) And she probably thought, what are you doing? But it was great. And she said, we really would rather you not be the director and a teacher. But it wasn't in black and white that I couldn't be. So I was like, well, I appreciate the suggestion, but I think this is just what I'm going to have to do for now. And so we did. And, you know, it worked out because you just you do what you have to in a situation like that if you really want to make it work. And I didn't know everything. And I have people that train under me now. And they don't know anything, and I'm just like, you just figure it out. You figure it out. You, there has to be something you can look up, and obviously there's Google now, but you can always learn something new. And I think people get scared to try new things because they're just, they think they don't know it. Well, I definitely did not know it. I didn't know payroll. I didn't know the rules and regulations of childcare and things like that. But you learn it and you just make an effort to do it. So. Joanna, I am blown away. Jared and I are sitting here cracking up and it's not because you're funny, <laughs> but it's because of what you're saying is so incredible oh, well, thank that you. you were able to do this. So you start with six kids in two classrooms. Is that correct? Yeah, so my, my classroom actually had six kids and then I had another okay, teacher. So 12. She might've had, she actually probably had more than me. She maybe had eight. Okay. But I had an amazing parents. And what's crazy is that from that year, I opened a new location after two years, and it was just all word of mouth, no advertising, okay. even Facebook, of course, who doesn't love Facebook? But so, yeah, it was very small to begin with. And I remember going to the downtown to the city of Amarillo one day because I had a check bounce back. And at a small business, he's like, there hasn't been a single small business owner that's opened and that I haven't seen here. And it was just that little grace that he gave me Mm -hmm. made me feel like, oh, maybe, maybe I am doing okay. Like maybe this is going to work out for me because it was hard that first year, you know, trying to pay bills. My mom was helping out and I actually cut her a check and then called her later. Hey, could you hold on to that check? (laughs) I might not need you to deposit that right now. And of course she didn't mind, but it was just that. It's a struggle. It definitely is hard. It does not start out easy, but it was worth it. So what first steps did you take? I mean, when you, when you, you, you had your building and you, you took out your retirement, what was next? So um, after that was just kind of promoting myself. I did actually do a mail out just saying new pre-K program mm-hmm. coming. But it's funny, most of the people that first came to me were teachers. So I think that they, and it's, it's crazy, those first few that signed up, like they have like a special place in my heart because they came in, they even did, I did an open house thinking we'd have everything done, but you know, nothing works out in time mm-hmm. when you're opening something. And we didn't even have flooring and they were still like, oh yeah, we're gonna do it. You know, they just saw the value in the program. The Spanish part okay. of it, we actually followed the teaks, so the state of Texas tells, you know, the districts what they need to teach for pre-kindergarten students, and that's what we're teaching. So we really go by the school district's format, and then that way we just, we know that they're on track to be ahead of the class, and that, that's our goal, is for them to go to kindergarten and for a teacher to say, 
where did you go to preschool? Or where, you know, did your son or daughter go to preschool? We always want them to be ahead. What resources did you rely on when you were starting out as someone that went from the classroom to running a business? So, um, education, I felt like I was really well informed because I had been, I'd been teaching for 10 years, but I was also a reading specialist during that time. And I was a bilingual teacher as that was part of it. And then I was a peer coach towards the end. So I, I kind of knew, I learned a lot of good things from my principal. And she, you know, when you have a good leader that builds you up, you kind of start feeling like you can do just about anything. So I learned some things, mistakes that I made too as a peer coach, just on how to, you know, talk to people or get their respect. Or So I had a lot of experience beforehand. And then, um, Business-wise, my sister's very successful in her business. Actually, both my sisters are. So one of them is more management. So she was, she was my resource when it came to like employees and things like that. And so was my mom. She was just an office manager for years. So it's crazy that I had family. They were my resources. My sisters, my mom. And then the state of Texas licensing is what I had to use for minimum standards on, they, they say, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, this is how much square footage you need. So I just had to go to them to see what else I need to do for building wise. And then teaching, I felt like I was okay. And then the family part for the business. So was it difficult for you to go from running a school classroom to managing a team of employees? You know, it's, it's like all a blur. I don't even see, remember that day that I actually got to be like, okay, I'm not in the classroom anymore. But it, it's crazy. I think part of the success has been just putting yourself in other people's shoes. So I didn't really draw a line of, I'm your manager now. I was always trying to still feel like I was part of the teaching team and I still try to feel like I'm part of the teaching team. So it was hard. The hard part was dividing out being a boss when you had to be a boss and then being just, you know, somebody that is, has a lot of empathy or a friend. That was the hardest line to draw, being a friend and a boss. So I think that was the biggest challenge when I first started being a manager was just knowing some people can take being friends or know the difference of how you have a superior, and I hate to say that word, but when you have a boss, there's just certain, it's just such a, it's just a hard line to draw, because mm -hmm. you want to be their friend, but sometimes you, it's mm -hmm. just hard to do. I think if you're a small business owner, yes, um, the people that you work with every day become family. It's they really are. easy for that, that line to become blurred, and so I can, I completely can relate to that, um, that blurriness that you're talking about and how, you know, navigating through that. Um, so you started with one location, mm -hmm. two classrooms, one location, and you're about to franchise a third location. How yes. has this happened? Well, you know, and you say that with the one location, I was just thinking I had two employees when I first started and now I have 23 employees. So when you think of that, it's like, how did we, how yeah. did we get to that? But, <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I do, I care so much about what we do and it is so important to me. Honestly, that I, I guess that's how I feel like people know that they know that you're, when you're, 
there's a word I'm looking for, but when you're sincere, and that's really what my heart is into, is making a good program. I think people start, they start a business, it's successful. I feel like childcare is this way. That, and then they just, they stop trying to get better, or they start trying to improve. And anytime I hear that somebody comes from a different state or a different city or a different childcare, I'm like, did they do anything that we should be doing? Because you always mm -hmm. want to improve. And I think people just stop, stop doing that. They just get comfortable, and it's just like, I don't know. You know, I get my paycheck, and I just go about my day, I think is the mentality sometimes, and I hate that because these kids are so amazing at these ages, and they can learn so much that it frustrates me so badly when people will apply with us, and they'll say, well, we just really don't do anything. We don't have lessons or... We don't have a set curriculum or goals or anything like that for the students. And I'm thinking, what are you doing during the day? Like, that would drive me crazy, you know? Just, I just feel like it's such a waste of time for everybody, but. So how do you go about improving and, and making yourself better and, and improving the product that you have? So following the TEKS is a big thing, but just we assess the children from beginning, middle, and end just to make sure that we're progressing. So if we see that something isn't going, they're not progressing how they should, we'll start researching, like specific students especially, we'll start researching how we can help them. But as a program, really just staying on top, I try to listen to the teachers if they have new ideas, because it has been a while since I have been a teacher in the classroom. And so many people, will they'll do um, Texas, Texas School Ready is a program through Amarillo College that some of our teachers are trained through. So they'll hear new things from them. And so I just try to take suggestions and keep an open mind. I think that's the biggest thing is just keeping an open mind. And I'll, uh, I love that I see on, we post a lot on Facebook mm -hmm. of what we do so our parents know what's going on because we do so many activities. And sometimes I'll see other schools that are starting to look a lot like the things that we do when they didn't before. So it, I'm very proud of it. You know, part of me is like, oh, they're copying us. Yes, but I completely can That is can the relate. biggest compliment. <laughs> but and that's ultimately what we want right. is better things for the kids, of course, in the area. But I just, I feel like we raised the bar and now I'm seeing that other people are too. So I can appreciate that, but I want my bar to be the highest. So I'm gonna have to figure out how to keep doing that. Um, and so honestly, I've toured places in Dallas and Fort Worth area to see if I could see, you know, better things to do. And I don't wanna sound, I don't even know the word. I don't wanna sound bad, but our curriculum, I have not found a curriculum that I mm -hmm. like better or that I think takes more time and preparation and is more engaging than the curriculum that we do. Hey, so. that doesn't make you sound bad. That's inspiring to me. And those words are ready. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, yes, yes. Everything she's saying, I agree with. Well, and how can you. we, how can we do this? How can I apply what she's saying and what I do um, for the bank? Tell me um, 2020. So I would imagine that was a difficult year for you. In fact, we were talking about this earlier. Um, it was a year ago today that it was declared we were yes. in a state of, of pandemic and never in my wildest dreams would I ever have imagined that that would have happened to us. So what did you do? Take me back to a year ago today and, and what 
what was going through your mind? Well, really, the first thing was like, I'm not closing unless I'm forced to close. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. with the employees and, you know, you just, you're, you're their way to, for them to live, to pay their bills or anything like that. And then our, a lot of our parents, of course, are still working. So I'm just not much of a, of a panic person. It, it's like, we'll just assess what we need to do and we'll go from there. So when they started closing down, we were still able to operate the same as we were, but the problem was is that we've always, we're usually at capacity, so where there's no more room in the classrooms. But we lost 30 students within, mm. you know, a matter of weeks, and that was, you know, that was hard to deal with. Which, but we had so many students that still weren't coming to school, but the parents kept them enrolled, and that just that I guess reiterated to me the parents that really valued the program that we were providing because they knew that if they would have all pulled out, I don't know how we would have survived it because most of them weren't coming. We had very few numbers, but because of them, you know, we were able to keep all of the employees and people were still able to get paid and go to work. But so when that happened, we really just... I don't know, we just kept doing what we were doing and you know, we understood the parents that had to pull because they weren't working or anything like that. But we started um, doing, of course, everything that was required on cleaning and everything like that. And then after that, it started picking back up in the summer. But before then, we had so much space that we were able to take, off, take in um, school-age kids for essential personnel because it was declared you're not supposed you we could only service as such essential personnel for a while so we uh, we started enrolling some of the essential personnel where the classrooms that we could put them because we were low on numbers anyways and some of them knew that it was just going to be temporary once our other families were able to come back in that the spot would be given back to the other families. So that was nice. So we were able to take some healthcare professionals and some of their kids while uh, the numbers were low. And then some school age because they weren't in school and the parents were like, I still have to go to work. So, you know, and honestly, I wasn't, I didn't know how parents did it because I, I work, I have kids, and but I have older kids too and family that can help, but I still planned on working. So it was, it was hard for those families that wanted to work or could work or not stay at home and then they just had nowhere to take mm. their kids. So I loved that we were somewhere good and not just to pacify the time. Yeah. Um, what did you learn from last year? like biggest lessons that you've learned and maybe even not just last year, but over the course of the last seven or eight years since you've been open, what are, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned that you would want to share with small business owners that haven't had the success that you've had that have struggled? Well, you really just have to change with the times you have to go with the flow. And I think that's the biggest thing with us is that you monitor and you assess like you're just trying to change to what is needed and what was needed at the time were school-aged kids or people that normally didn't need you that they were now working different hours so really just changing with the needs because if you're stuck in a rut then and you're just doing the same thing over and over again and you're getting the same outcome then nothing's going to change 
So really just assessing what people need and go from there. There are a lot of, I would imagine, a lot of early early childhood or daycare facilities in Amarillo. You've probably got quite a bit of competition. Um, What do you think makes Bright Minds so unique? Um, Honestly, when I was researching the places in Amarillo, most of the places that I went into, they were not led by educators. They were just led by somebody that thought it was a good idea to open a child care facility or um, they just, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm trying to wonder why they would open because if you're not educating them, what, you know, just to take care of them. It just seems so much more important. But um, I think that's the difference is that I had an education background. I felt like there was a need to educate them more to their ability just because I was seeing you know, a three-year-old or four-year-old, and it said during the day they learned how to spell beautiful. And I was pretty sure that they weren't learning to spell beautiful, but I knew that they could spell mom. So I knew I had something to bring to the table that not everybody was using. And it was just, it's just the education background. And then I have a lot of empathy. So I think that's a big part of it is that any circumstance, we try to put ourselves in our parents' perspective and our students' perspective and our teachers' perspective. And if you don't have empathy, it's very hard to work with other people because you just can't be narrow-minded or closed-minded or anything like that. So I feel like that's part of the success. When I have to, or my directors or management, we talk to parents, we really just try to put ourselves in their shoes. And I think that makes a difference. And my kids, what would I want for my kids? And we'll tell our teachers the same thing. You need to remember, they're dropping off their most prized possession in your hands. So you need to remember that the most important thing in their life, you're responsible for. So be sure you treat it that way. What an incredible lesson in customer service for any business owner to put yourself in the shoes of your customer. Thank you. Um, So what is your personal or what is your personal business or life philosophy that you try to live by? Honestly, that would be it. Just treat others as you would have them treat you. Because I, I feel like, how can that ever fail you? In any, in any instance, how would you not, how would that be a bad thing to treat other people how you want to be treated? So really, in all aspects of my life and in business, that's probably the rule that I go by. So what's next for Bright Minds Academy? Well, in the franchise, you did mention that. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about yeah. that. I have a director that's been with me about four years, and she's going to open her own in Bushland. And so it's amazing that somebody, and what's funny is that she has been my, she's been so loyal to me since like day one of working with me. So I'm not surprised that this is where we're going, but I'm very excited for her that somebody likes and loves our program so much that she wants to do it herself and do her own. And she'll be amazing at it. So I love listening to hear. I, she's, she gives tours to our families that come in that are new. I love listening to her. First off, she always says good things about me, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> but really, she's just telling the story of the background. And I do love our background story because it is, it's not, it was never about making money. It was about helping the community, honestly, and providing something that was needed. So she tells the story really well, and um, 
she just she has a love for children. She has a love for, you know, researching and finding out what's best for them and their development. So um, she'll do great out there. But so she's in Bushland and, you know, there's I'm thinking of Amarillo and I think of Canyon and I think of all these other places that they really need us. So Brenda, I can see, I can see Brenda over there and she's like in Lubbock. Are you thinking of Lubbock? (laughs) (laughs) She's an an 18 month old. Yes. So yeah. See, Hey, and my daughters will probably be at tech next year. So there you go. Lubbock would probably be a good market. That's right. We need good nannies too. (laughs) (laughs) So who knows, but I'm excited really about expanding you know it's a lot of work it really is but we have good people and as long as you have good people then you can make it work so Joanna I am so delighted with this conversation you've been so inspiring to me and I know you certainly have been to our podcast listeners and next time that we come to Amarillo we are going to have to go to lunch yes please do (laughs) I would love to Yes, thank definitely. you for or being come here. By yes, we will. Check it out. We absolutely will. Thank you so much for yes. taking the time to come, and we wish you the very best of luck. Thank um, you. Amy. On behalf of everybody at First United Bank, thank you for letting us be a part of your journey. Yes, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, what a uh, what a breath of fresh air she was, <laughs> or a firecracker, she, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. I love that she was all about just jump in, and you saw that in so many different steps that she did. Mm-hmm. She said that she's not a warrior, and right. she just kind of jumps in and and does it. I know. She's she's something else. I know, and I think what's interesting about her story is everybody that we've heard from has been pretty a planner, you Mm -hmm. know, well thought out. And I mean, certainly you have to have a certain amount of courage. Well, you do. You have to have a lot of courage to be a small business owner and to want to step into that role. And she jumped in like maybe head first, Absolutely. face first. Not even caring ownership. how long it was to get down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and just even listening to her, I mean, our listeners, they can't see us when we're doing these <laughs> interviews, but if you could, I mean, everybody in the room is dying laughing at her because her story, she's tiny and yet so, I mean, bigger than life Yep. story, big ambition, big dream. Um, big risk taker and it's just paid off for her because yeah. she knew what she was doing. She was good at what she did mm-hmm. um, and she you know, maybe didn't know all the steps to get to where she wanted to be but she knew she could make a difference. She knew she could make a difference and she has. Yeah. I think you have to have a little bit of both to start a business. Mm-hmm. You have to have the planning which we've heard and talked about on the podcast but right. I think Joanna showed us the huge value in in just needing to fly by the seat of your pants sometimes you know mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to do that and take a leap of faith in certain steps along the right. way right i also love how she talked about being empathetic and always putting her um her shoot what, what does she say always trying to to look at things from the perspective of her parents look at things from the perspective of the child right um walking a mile in the other person's shoes and i think you know you're dealing with somebody else's prized That's possession. Right. Yeah. That's right. And and what a great lesson for anyone who is in any type of service industry, you know, to just address everything from the standpoint of the customer. Okay, they're upset. You know, maybe I had nothing to do with this. Maybe we don't even believe that what happened was our fault. Um, it was the customer's fault, you know, but, but put yourself 
in their shoes for a minute. I mean, what if everybody did that in every situation, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that's how it should be really yeah. in business or in life. If you're uh, selling a product or a service or even just trying to understand and appreciate a simple connection with another human being, uh, you're you've got to be able to flip that coin and see things from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I think that's a valuable lesson to take out of this episode. Yeah. I loved everything about her and I hope that, um, man, I wish the best for her for, for Bright Minds Academy. And I really hope that, um, she would think about putting a location in and love it because <laughs> yeah. I think it would do really, Joanna, listen here. We think you should put <laughs> a location in Lubbock. Um, we think you would kill it. Yeah, hey, you heard it here first. Yeah, that's right. We have lots of information about um, and, and tips from Joanna's interview today in the episode notes, Jared's notes, on the episode page on our website at spiritofwesttexaspodcast.com. Another good one. Another good in one. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye-bye.